Broadcasting live on YouTube, welcome, dirty peasants, to episode three of the Wartwood Gazette podcast. This week we'll be covering Amphibia season two, episode 17, The Second Temple and Beryl's Warhammer. Now I'd like to introduce this week's guests. Returning to the podcast, we have Princess Cthulhu. Hey, I'm actually on time this time. Also back on the show, we have Chuck. Uh, hello. Uh, my tulips have been grown, so I have time. Nice. And first time on the show, we have Venom. Hello. I'm your fellow Amphibia fanbase historian. Thank you, Venom. So before we get into the episode, I guess I'll ask Venom, like, what are your general thoughts on Season 2 or Amphibia in general? My thoughts on 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 this season has been um very very good um um like there's a lot of a lot of dire um like interesting concepts that is bound to happen later this season. All right, thank you, Venom. So we're going to start discussing the second temple written by todd mcclintock storyboard by drew applegate and nate marrer and directed by jen strickland so the first i want to say half of the episode the planters and girls have arrived in the amphibia arctic they've like come across the arch that we've seen way back in uh Sleepover to end all sleepovers in Andrews's book, and they're trying to look for the temple. And then they come across uh, Valerina. Is I might am I saying that right? It's Valeriana. Valeriana. Okay, so they they come across Valeriana's uh, hut, similar to the Bazaar Bazaar, and then eventually she explains about the box and what she knows and the secret society she's part of, and she agrees to help the planners uh, get to the second temple. So they complete a set of challenge. Well, they are attempting to climb a mountain and traversing the Arctic. And then eventually uh, she gets fed up of Anne constantly uh, going off on her side quests to, you know, be a good person. And then once she challenge, when she challenges Valeriana, uh, they get teleported. So, uh, in terms of this first half, it didn't really feel like a, te- I think in the best way, it didn't feel like a temple episode for myself yet. And I kind of liked how they kind of, well, we'll learn later on what these challenges that Anne had to face throughout this first half. But I liked how it was, it wasn't like a, it wasn't the same, uh, same format as the first temple, where it was just basically them traveling across and then, uh, facing whatever natural dangers came at them. So, uh, starting, let's start with uh, PC. What are your thoughts on this first half of the Second Temple? Well, on the first half, and I think I do have to agree with you when you say that it doesn't really feel like the other temple, and I think that's a good thing, personally. I think having each temple be very unique is was the correct choice. 
especially since we've got to do them like r one right after another. So having having each one have its own vibe, I think, was a very good choice. I mean, there is just a lot to talk about, even in this first half of the episode. Uh, I mean, first, we have fantastic comedy, as usual. I do like the hop pocket that they added yeah. to Joe. Uh, there's, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of stuff uh, about Valeriana specifically. Uh, I I do like how Valeriana appears to have her own musical cue. It's this like kind of violin thing that I'm I'm super digging. A uh, little ominous, but not like entirely evil sounding. Uh, let's see. I liked uh, when we were in her hut. We saw a lot of fun Easter eggs. Like, we saw the blue shell from the Bizarre Bizarre episode, where her first appearance was. A lot of interesting little tidbits in the background, gems and random artifacts with similar-looking gems that we saw on her stand. Uh, this is just a shout-out to Advent. Uh Real quick, Advent talked about uh, how maybe those artifacts might come into play in Season 3, and considering that it feels like we're not done with Valeriana yet, I think that's quite possible. I think Valeriana's shack of mystical objects might actually wind up coming up, which is super fun. There's or, a... Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, go ahead, PC. Uh, well, there's there just one other thing, and I know that we're not discussing it quite yet, but I did like the little, the little signs that Valeriana was purposefully initiating the tests, like obvious, like the obvious one is her whistling right before the cardinal showed up. But yeah. that being, but uh, when the avalanche was happening, when Anne ran off to the uh, to the hut. You could actually see Valeriana smiling in the background, which I thought was a really nice touch because you'd have to be looking for it to notice it. Wait, which part, Valeria? Well, when um when when uh the avalanche happens and it's about to hit the hut, and Anne runs off to save whoever's in there. You remember that moment? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When Anne okay. runs off, uh, you can actually see Valeriana smiling. Which uh, I thought was a good touch. It uh, it just kind of reinforces that yeah, Valeriana is is initiating these tests on purpose. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I I think I think the way that Valeriana goaded Anne uh, was very good. And, and I I know we're getting a bit ahead, but I think Valeriana was very much goading Anne on purpose. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, it was way too. Yeah, on the nose. Absolutely, and uh, just just to wrap up, because I don't want to take up too much time. I kind of really like how Valeriana just has straight up magic. Not not even the curse magic that Maddie has. And we talked about that last in the last episode, but this is like straight up, like D and D style direct consequences magic that she is able to do teleporting i'm not really shape changing but we'll get into that later though yeah thanks thanks bc and now uh chuck what are your thoughts on this first half 
Uh, I thought they were uh, pretty good. Uh, I liked how we just got right into the action without like a like like it just got right into it. They're already in the snow. Um, uh, it was nice to see Valeriana again. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, to your guys' points, it was cool to see how the it w it wasn't similar to the first temple. It was different, and. Uh, and it was nice to see how Anne, like, changed. Like, how... Uh, if, it was nice to see how far she's come. Like, uh, helping the planners and such. Like, uh, saving them. Uh, and trying to help those... The people that went out to lunch during the, when the avalanche was coming. Uh, that was cool to see. Uh, uh, and I think... Uh, and... Uh, I think that's it. For me. All right, thanks, Chuck. Yeah, I like the gag about how like everyone being out, everyone's out for lunch. Yeah. How about you, Venom? What are your? Oh, go ahead, PC. I was I was just agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Oh, I like the caterpillar outfits too. <laughs> Especially yeah. for Polly, she's just like a ball <laughs> wrapped up. Yeah, I I I did I did really like. I did really like the uh, the outfits. They were really cute. How about you, Venom? What are your What are your thoughts on this first half? Despite the um the first segment, well, the second temple, despite not being a a, a half an hour episode, you will expect the the um a a vital part of the um the to recharge the gems to be like having pacing issues, but surprisingly there really isn't. You, you would um would expect like something to rush through like without any explanation why that is, but there really isn't. And I I would like to like to praise the um interesting like music tracks that was played within the episode very interesting and um i would um well the ending i would like to like like find it to be like um like interesting to say the least what will be played a vital part near like to the end of its season Oh, wait, wait, we're not going to get into that part yet, Venom. <laughs> we're going to save that for the end. <laughs> yeah, Tom, Tom likes to split the episodes into first halves and second halves. And even for that, for whatever happens at the end, I think we'll we'll save that even after Barrel's Warhammer. Oh, for that's the end, before. end. All right, okay. Yeah. A lot of speculation there. There is, there is. Well... Still talking about the first part. I think, uh, first off, Marcy, adorable as always. And I don't remember who pointed this out. Uh, it might have even been someone in, in the chat right now. But I quite liked how when something unexpected happened, Marcy froze up and Anne was forced to take initiative. Yeah, like Marcy, like, 
like Anne, Anne is definitely like Marcy's a strategist and Anne's like the leader, while maybe like Sasha's like the brawler of the group. So I, mean, I, I like you, that. If if you have to put labels on it, then yeah, I could see that. Because because Anne is definitely not the strategist. She goes with her gut at basically all times. Yeah, she's very uh. Wait, how would you describe Anne again? <laughs> how 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 would I describe Anne? Yeah. I'm well, trying to think of the word. I mean, I guess I don't it want depends to say on how wrong. I guess it depends on how you're defining it. With the original group, especially pre-Amphibia, I feel like Anne was very much the brawn, Marcy the brains, and Sasha the leader. But I think that that dynamic has changed quite a bit post-Amphibia. Uh, Anne is still very, well, very brawny, as it were, but she has been learning to take initiative. And... and I could see her going into a leadership role, absolutely. Especially come season three. Yeah. Uh, Venom, is there anything else you wanted to uh, mention for this first half of the Second Temple? Mm, no, no comment, as of right now. How about you, Chuck? Uh, anything else? Yeah, for the first half. Uh... I don't think so. No, I think you guys said it pretty well. I'm just looking to see if there's anything else we need to cover. I love Hop Pop's av aviator hat thing. That that's what they're called, right? Like that kind of hat, aviator hat. Ah, uh, with with the flaps on the sides. Yeah, those are called yeah. aviators. No, the the outfits were just on point this episode for sure. Like Sprig's puffy coat making a return. Yes, sorry, the chat just. Except for Anne's missing shoe. She's still wandering around the Arctic, still only wearing one shoe. Uh, why? Uh, why do you do this to us, girl? At, At least, least Marcy's wearing pants. boots. Yeah, neither of them are wearing pants either. Like, it's cold out. <laughs> So I guess we'll get into the second half of the second temple. Second half, second temple. Anyways, so, you know, Valerina, Valeriana does her teleportation spell, and then they end up on that pillar we saw in the trailer, and then she grabs the box, and then her and Anne get into a struggle, and then eventually, eventually, like, Valeriana, like, knows everything about Anne, which is immediately is a big red flag like knowing she snores and even more interesting she knows that Anne took the box back in episode one of the series and then eventually Anne, Anne beats Anne beats her in the fight and then saves Valeriana's life and then Valeriana really re reveals that she's the guardian of the second temple and helps her recharge the gem and I really, I really loved the background for this, for this scene, like the aurora, the aurora. I don't want to say aurora borealis. Like I think that's not the exact type. I'm just thinking about the Simpsons, but 
I really like the background and like the structure, just like a big circle, like an arena, and then it lights up, which we saw in the trailer. And yeah, I just really liked I really liked that the scene where we just we just get to see see and focus on Anne. Yeah, it was so it was uh, a, it was yeah, a very go ahead, interesting scene that was basically just nonstop character stuff. Yeah, a lot of season one callbacks. But PC, like, what are your thoughts on this, like, on the second half? If any, well, anything else you want to add? I'll try to talk a little bit less this time, just so other people have stuff to talk about. Um, uh, I will say, I'll, I'll talk about how, now, now you all know how I like to come up with insane theories. So, I have a theory about how Valeriana knew all that stuff. Uh, oh, go all ahead. Right. So I noticed that you could get to Valeriana's hut without having to pass through the gate. But the the temple itself said that, well, the arch itself, so the gate, said that you must pass through the gate to perilous, I forget what the exact words were. So my absolutely balls-to-the-wall theory is that the gate, well, it's obviously magical, but part of the magic of the gate is that it kind of like reads the hearts and minds of the people passing through it and informs the guardian so that they can properly test them, which is kind of my how I'm currently justifying Valeriana knowing stuff all the way back from Earth, even. Uh... I am basing this theory on absolutely nothing. I just think it's a cool concept. Well, I mean, in this world, it's not, it wouldn't be much of a stretch. No, it really wouldn't be. And Valeriana is by far one of the most explicitly magical... No, not even one of. She is the most explicitly magical character we have encountered in the entire show. Like, even, even Maddie does not use magic with such ease or frequency as Valeriana does. Like, she kind of reminds me of, uh, I think someone brought this up in the uh, Discord server. Like, what was the name of the guy from Night Drivers? Zechariah Nettles? Just like a force ghost in this world. Yeah. There, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if she's a ghost or what's going on, but... Yeah. Well, she's Valeriana... definitely tangible. <laughs> Yeah, Valeriana was was is very interesting, and the fact that she you know cast magic even without her staff means that the magic is entirely inherent to her. Yeah, I really like her 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 Valeriana the white outfit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I'm I'm gonna leave it there so other people have a chance to talk to. All right. Thank you, PC. Uh. Chuck, what are your thoughts on the second half? Uh, I was sort of how I expected it to be. Uh, uh, show, like showing us how far Anne has come by, like with the callbacks and stuff. And it's like a like you don't have to do anything physical. It's just a very like internal challenge. Uh. 
uh, Valeriana challenging her. Uh, and yeah, you could see the red flags that she wasn't really in like intent on getting the calamity box. She was just she was just putting up an act. Uh, um, and I guess the uh, the line and has uh, before she gets the gem. I what it was. Uh, uh, something about like mistakes. Uh, and responsibility or something, but like I feel like that was a, a a great line to show us how far she's come. Yeah, I can't remember the line, but yeah, I really like she like she she said that she made those mistakes and she like learned from them, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess those are my thoughts. All right, thanks, Chuck. How about you, Venom? The development of, of Anne has been interesting for this episode, coming from a long way from it's from the beginnings and right now, recently, helping helping those people in need in dire situations. That will um, like how far she has come that uh, to have a much more better payoff of of her growth of, as a character. Like throughout the episode uh oh Lemur in the chat is telling the line You were right, I did lie and steal. If that made me unworthy, fine. Those bad choices were mine and I own them, but making them taught me that it's always better to do the right thing. So that's what I did, regardless of how much I didn't want to. Yeah, that's a really nice line. Such such a good line. Like, just just so good. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Such a good deconstruction of Anne's character and her development from season one. Absolutely. And I also liked how uh, once, Valeriana, once Anne passes the test, like, Valeriana's like, the shift in her tone, like, earlier in the episode, she's, like, kind of, like, a little, like, crazy, like, a little kooky, little, like, smug and condescending, but then once Anne passes the trial, she, I think she says, uh, I'm pulling up the quote, we've waited so long for someone like you to come, and, like, and, and you can like, hear, like, the sincere sincerity in her voice, and I really like that. Yeah, Valeriana is a good actor, and she does, she, like, she deserves credit for that. She she kept that facade up uh like the entire time and I gotta respect it. I mean, yeah, because since since the temple like since the second temple isn't really the traditional wasn't as like the traditional temple format like the first one, like it was really up to Valeriana kind of to like keep up the how do I say this? Like the mystique or like the, I I guess like the the scale of the show and like what this like this is act this what the like the stakes are so i guess just like raising the stakes with her just her dialogue alone which i which i like yeah valeriana was i mean she did kind of serve as the antagonist of the episode in a way but ah it just just in such it was executed just so well yeah especially in 11 minutes like i'm really i'm glad this segment didn't feel rushed 
especially no. because we've had we've had segments in the past where the stakes aren't as high and they sometimes like felt like they've dragged on or went by too quickly yet this episode like i think was paced very well yeah man the team have really been showing just how much you can do with 11 minutes of television And I think I've talked to each of you about the second half. And I know what happens at the end. The gem gets recharged. Maybe. But we're not going to talk about that until after Barrel's Warhammer. Because I feel like what happens in Barrel's Warhammer and what happens at the end of this scene, that's a good time for us. That would be a good time for us to talk about speculation then. But I want to so, talk about it so bad. We can't PC. Not yet. There's just so much. There's so much I want to say, but we gotta bait. We gotta bait. We gotta bait the eight viewers on the live stream. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> to wait in, until the end. In fairness, I have another huge thing I want to say during Barrel of Warhammer Part One. So, heads, I'm gonna be doing monologuing quite a bit tonight. That's fine, PC. That's why you're here. <laughs> but I guess. Does anyone have any final thoughts on the Second Temple? We'll, we'll, we'll come back to, like, we'll come back to te Second Temple thoughts again, if you'd like to, since we're going to talk about that final scene. Any, like, smaller details we want to talk about? No comment. Oh, I guess, like, I think we already talked about the Hot, po the hot Pocket. <laughs> yeah, we'd already discussed the Hot, the hot Pocket. No, there is stuff that I want to say about the Second Temple, but we're saving the season-wide speculation for the end. So, uh, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot else I have to say at this moment. All right. So I think we're going to move on to Barrel's Warhammer. And let me pull up the credits for this. So Barrel's Warhammer is written by Michelle Cavan, storyboard by Silver Paul, and... Elise, Elisia, Elisla, Elisia, Arocha. I'm sorry for butchering that. And directed by Ky Kyler Spears. So let me just pull up the second this next episode. It we basically open up to the Toad Lords, essentially being the judges of some sort of like, what's got talent except, they die if they fail. So basically, Sasha, Grime, Percy, and Braddock, they're all trying to impress the Toads to join the Rebellion. Uh, the Tordloads mention uh, the other Hummus humans working for King Andreas, which Sasha, that's what uh, pushes Sasha over the edge and then challenges them to try and figure out what will actually get them to join the Rebellion. And that's when Aldo... Uh, like, apparently comes off his throne or chair or whatever with all the leaves breaking off and tells them to get Barrel's Warhammer. So then Sasha, Grime, and the gang, they go on their quest to get the hammer. And then Percy's a little bit nervous and Sasha gives the, uh, the, ka the, ka the kawaii or... How do I say this? Kawaii, I believe. Kawaii pose, 
as like the warning signal and you know it's this cute moment and then we find the hammer just laying there so i guess we'll start with the uh, pc is there anything you wanted to cover in this first half um i'm not sure if we should okay i'll i'll do base i'll do base but i want to give everyone else a chance before i i do my bit oh, okay okay uh, then... i really i really like yeah i really just momentary stuff i really like uh i really like the toad lords they're fun more i like seeing more toads in general i really like percy and braddock you know i i'll be honest i didn't really like percy and braddock all that much in toad catchers but this episode really warmed me up to yeah like Percy and uh, Brad Braddock, like even back in uh, Toadcatcher, they didn't really. Uh, they're they're just like there, I guess. But like I've I've warmed up to them now. Like even looking back and watching Toadcatcher, I still I still now I like their appearances. I, I'm sorry if I didn't. For those who are getting upset that I didn't like them before, I know I'm sorry. But. Uh, I guess how about you? Uh, how about you, Chuck? What are your thoughts on this first half? Well, uh, it was good to see Grime and Sasha again uh, after like eight months. I think uh, it's been too long. Uh, hmm. uh, uh, it's cool to see them having new armor for the rebellion. Um. Oh yeah, Percy um, makes the uh, yeah. Percy makes and, their logo. Yeah, which I think is a nod to Grimes Eye. I, I'm not I, sure. I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like uh Aldo, the like the dead guy, who's not really dead. Uh, he was cool. His voice was cool. Uh, his character design is nice. Uh, it was cool to know that Grime has a sister. Uh, which, which is nice, I guess. Um, uh, All right, thanks, Chuck. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. liked, I liked, uh, like Captain Be Beatrix. Yeah, Jeez. I think that was her name. Yeah. Beatrix, like, she just looks like Grime, but a girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grime with Eda's hair. I think that was the concept art, though. Like, this one, at least, yeah. like, her hair is oh. braided and stuff. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, Beatrix very much felt like, all right, we take Grime and we make Grime a girl, and then that's his sister. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing she outranks him Well, prior to Reunion. Because, like, was Grime captain of, like, the South Tower, or was that just Frog Valley? Like, was its own thing? It's hard um, to I don't tell. know. I think he might have been a Toad Lord. Yeah. I think but now Braddock. Been... I mean, uh, Bog is, I guess. Yeah, now Bog is. I learned a lot about... I learned quite a bit about frog culture, but 
not enough and now i just have more questions to be honest yeah because i'm sure i'm i'm pretty sure like maybe there'd be more than like four captains maybe these are just like these towers are maybe like more significant or larger strongholds i'm not sure i i don't think we'll learn more about it because i'm guessing these guys will probably show up in a later episode but at least their soldiers yeah. will i guess if there's like if they when they invade utopia yep the resources and stuff but anything else chuck like about like anything else you want to cover um i don't think so i think that's all that or came to my mind all right, how about you, Venom? What are your thoughts on this first half of Barrel's Warhammer? It's an interesting um, start up to the episode, opening with the, um, what was it, the North Toe Tower they're, they're at? Yeah, they're at the North Tower. Planning, planning like, to, to encourage for the, um, the, the other Toad Lords to join um grime and sasha's rebellion to plan out a what siege invasion to Nitopia to overthrow king andreas to have um the toads to gain a upper power up in superiority over of what frog valley Yeah, I like those little like um those little drawings that Sasha had in the background while Grimes giving his like recruitment speech with just like Andreas with the spears getting pointed at him and then like the flip the flip animation of the toes of the crown. It was cute. That was that was very cute. And I guess PC, did you want to uh monologue for this first half or are you saving that for the second half or do you um, have i should probably okay i mean i just there's just a lot to talk about and this one of it's going to be another one of my theories i know i'm very sorry but so I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna about, I'm gonna talk about the non-theory stuff first um i absolutely love the designs of all the tap toad captains i love bufo quite a bit he's awesome uh, the samurai vibe he's got going is is great, and I kind of hope we see more of him. I really hope he's not a one-off. I liked Beatrix a lot. Beatrix was fun. Uh, I, I I really liked how she's just constantly jabbing Grimothy. Uh, and, and learning that Grimes' real name was Grimothy is was just just the best. Uh. I will say, now that we've seen Grime and his sister, I really want to know about their parents. I really, really want to know what kind of parents names one of their kids Beatrix and one of their kids Grime. Well, not Grime. Grim Grimith. What was oh, yeah, it I, guess you're, I guess it is Grimothy. No, wow, I didn't even... I, I just said I love how his name is Grimothy, and then I totally overthought, didn't think about all the consequences of that. All right, I guess they didn't name one of their kids Grime, uh, but I still want to know about their parents because 
Grime did I mean, still wind up in the Coliseum one way or the other. Yeah, that's like the weird thing. Like, since they're both the captains, or she's a she's a toad lord, so I'm guessing like they have some sort of like influence, or their family maybe has some sort of influence within the toad army. Yeah, like some sort of. I mean, we heard that Grimes' like last name is a spoiler, according to Matt. It's possible that Grime actually comes from like a well, not noble noble, but like from a famous family of toads. Well, and it's a possibility. by extension, his sister. Um. I well, I. I, I really liked I really liked first off, I like the the hummus joke. It's stupid. It's it's the stupidest running gag ever, but I kind of really like it. Wait, have we heard this the hummus thing before in a in an earlier episode? No, no, this is the first time. And it's but they it's running because it's throughout the episode. They just keep on calling humans hummus. And <laughs> I don't know why. That 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 shit's just kind of funny to me. It's dumb, but like in the way that 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 just tickled my funny bone just right. Uh, I really I, I like I like Sasha's emotional outburst quite a bit. The, the one that she had when she learned about Marcy and Anne working for Andreas, I really liked. Just you could see the complicated, messy tangle of emotions. Uh, going, uh, you know, just washing across her face, and I, I, I think, I think Sasha, you know, having emotional and ultimately violent outbursts is a really clear tell about the direction that she's going to be going for the rest of the season. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah. that's really fun. Yeah, it's unfortunate for Sasha, but at least it's entertaining for us. Yeah, I mean that's the main thing. And but but now now we're getting into the all right. I I would like to apologize beforehand to everyone, but I gotta talk about Barrel. Uh, Barrel the Brave. Barrel the Brave, and we've 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 been speculating. Since basically the name that the episode names dropped like in December, like that, yeah, like that Christmas Eve, I think. Yeah, th yeah, it was Christmas Eve. It was a Christmas present to us. Yeah, and um, we've been speculating about is Barrel the painting toad? The painting uh, toad from uh, the sleepover tend all sleepovers. Yes, yes, the sorry, that's specify. Yeah, the 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 toad in the painting in the sleepover to end all sleepovers. And and we've been speculating about that. And there's evidence supporting the fact that he is, and there's evidence that kind of says that maybe he's not, and we can't really confirm either way. I I personally still believe that he is, and I really want him to be because it just kind of feels right, but admittedly, I can't prove that in any way. But all of that being said, and this is just the setup, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to, I, we've 
Th th sorry, sorry, what? No, no, nothing. Go ahead, PC. No, this 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 whole crazy monologue I'm about to do is kind of based on the premise that Beryl is the toad in the painting. And if he is the toad in the painting, and if the legend of Beryl is true, then that has huge implications. Because when we talked about like you know, what caused the the what caused Andreas to rip up the painting? And we thought that, oh, they had a falling out, or oh, maybe Andreas betrayed his his, you know, his friends. But we learn in this episode that, at least allegedly, Beryl died defending Fighting Toads. Oh, right. Yeah, Beryl died defending Toads from a narwhal worm. And I mean, I kind of feel like that's that that's not what I was personally expecting. And it's really interesting. Cause I mean, first off, the way that the hammer reacted, getting all powered up and stuff, and we're not getting into that right now. We're not getting there right now. But it's important <laughs> because it kind of implies that Beryl was gem attuned. And you know. Beryl being gem attuned kind of implies that the other two painting people in the painting were as well. But despite all of that power, Beryl died trying to save people. And for whatever reason, the way Beryl and Andreas's relationship ended led to him tearing up the painting and tossing it in the basement. The basement. And that feels huge. Like, did Beryl's death split apart the other two friends forever? And that's why the painting was torn up? Was was Andreas upset that his friend, with, like, all of that power, gave his life to save a bunch of nobodies? Like, is is that why Andreas is doing what he is doing? Like, this... I'll, I'll be honest, when I feel like it kind of feels like the details around the demise of Beryl the Brave could quite literally be the fulcrum around which the entire show hinges. Because whatever happened to Beryl, assuming that Beryl is the toad in the painting, it caused Andreas to tear that painting up and presumably destroyed Andreas's friendship with the frog. Well, one thing's for sure. Like, I think whatever, whatever re revelation we get about that painting way back in that episode is is for sure going to come from Andreas. Like, and oh, that's yeah. definitely it's not. It's yeah. I I do think that. Beryl, I feel like if Beryl and the frog and the toad in the painting were two separate characters, I think they would just they just would have shown some sort of like cutaway gag of the sky getting like killed by a worm. So, yeah, I I I definitely think that they're connected. Yeah. But uh, Venom and Chuck, do you guys have any other thoughts on before we uh, go into the second half of this episode? No comment. 
All right. Yeah, no comment. So basically, they find the hammer just submerged in the ground, and they struggle to pull it, and then we meet the narwhal worm, which is what they're on top of this whole time. So then there's a struggle to get its attention, and eventually they start riding it while they while attempting to remove the hammer. And then eventually, uh, Sasha starts steering the nar the narwhal worm, and eventually they start heading towards the north tower. And then, uh, so once they start pulling the hammer. Uh, Like, did any? I don't think anyone started talking about Marcy or Anne. It's just Sasha. Like, they were just living. The thought of them getting, the thought of them, like together without Sasha, just like was living rent free in Sasha's head. And then you know we get that uh, signature gem, that signature like five framed, five frames of uh, pink eyes, and then Beryl's hammer. Apparently, lights up, has rockets in it, and then eventually they defeat the nar the narwhal worm and earn the allegiance of the toads. So I think we'll start with the uh, oh, they get the allegiance of the toads, but they lose the allegiance of Percy and Braddock for endangering their lives. Yeah. So, uh, Venom, what was your thoughts on the second half of the segment? Gotta appreciate the the composer T.J. Hill who composed the soundtrack for Amphibia for like amping up the um the music for the um for this episode. Very like good hard hitting animation that spike up that sink in with the with the music. And um also that um where um. Sasha made a, a, a promise to Percy and what Braddock, like of having to give a, a signal of having to like pull out at the very last second in case one like if things get sour. Of course, Braddock and Percy gave the sign, but of course, like there were like like what's interesting to see is that is that Sasha has hesitated to to whether or not to pull out because he could either have a um a dire strain of possibly strain their 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 relationship Friendly. of course and then of course Sasha like did the um the um the obvious part get barrels warhammer and she's doing it as desperately to to get the hammer just to prove the um the, the toad lords and and in the end in the end it all backfired on on her um like it it left like all backfire on her that that both Percy and Braddock left left Sasha and Grime because because knowing that that having to pull these extreme situation could have a a dire impact on both of them and and I'm pretty sure it gave impl 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 implications that Sasha knew this as well 
Yeah, Sasha slipping, like, breaking that promise she made to Percy and, like, Braddock is, like, like I, I kind of felt like, I kind of knew it was coming. I, I didn't expect Percy and Braddock to just, like, walk away from the Rebellion. Yeah, I gotta give them mad props for that. But uh, anything else, Venom? No, no comment. I do, like, no comment. Okay, thank you, Venom. Uh, how about you, Chuck? What was your thoughts on the second half? Uh, uh, I liked how we uh, got to expand on uh, Sasha and uh, how she was like on Earth, I guess, with Anne and Marcy, in a way, showing that she's more goal-oriented. Uh, and uh, she will do anything to like achieve her goals, whether it means like breaking promises, like she did with Percy and Braddock. Uh, uh, we got to see, uh, like, like we got to see more of like, and like more examples of like the toxic codependency between Grime and Sasha, which I'm sure like PC can like expand upon, but uh he was like fueling her uh uh those toxic like tendency like those toxic traits i guess um uh yeah and then we finally get the eye glow uh which was cool to see uh sasha being really strong i guess showing uh showing her feats of her feats of strength uh uh, and then the hammer has rockets, which was cool. Uh, uh, and then we get to the heartbreaking scene with uh, Percy and Braddock leaving, which I thought was uh, uh, unexpected, I guess. Didn't expect them to just walk out and just like leave the rebellion. I really liked how like how frantic that those this last half was. I really like, yeah. I think who animated this? A uh, rough draft Korea. Um, yeah, I believe it was. I rough think so. Draft. Oh, okay. I yeah, like it was. It was done really nicely. Like especially like the scale of the narwhal worm, just like wrecking the area, like wrecking like the lake or whatever river they were going down. Yeah. And how about you, PC? What are, what are your thoughts on the second half? Well, like like the, the the fight animation, fantastic. And honestly, if this is what fight animation is going to look like going forward, I am one hundred percent on board. Like, yeah, I'm just I'm just excited for uh, for just to see more stuff like this personally. Um. I, I do think uh god sorry just recollecting my thoughts uh i do think it was very interesting that sasha's eye glow was was initiated not by her even protecting other people but 100% out of her sheer rage about marcy and anne doing stuff and 
kind of sounded like succeeding without her was was part of what really motivated that. I don't I don't know if anyone else picked up on that or not. Yeah, I I, I did like get that. Uh, yeah, no, that was good. I would like to do a little bit of bragging. Uh, I did kind of at the very last sec, like the night before. I did kind of predict that the hammer was going to be embedded in a giant monster, and that that scene in the uh, in the trick to in the two B trailer was uh, Sasha and Grime working together to lift the hammer up to hit the giant monster they were riding, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take full credit for that one. Did uh, you write down the prediction game? I did not. I should. I I thought of it literally the night before. Uh, after I had done the prediction games. Otherwise, I totally would have. Oh, one thing that I think is nice, like, just in general, uh, we finally can put to rest the color of of Sasha's gem. Like, that is... That that is still... Sorry. I was I wasn't early. At, I was I I used to think it was a the purple gem, but now like the evidence is overwhelming. It is. It's it's it pink. Is, it's pink. It is pink. It it is a pink gem, and that is finally that I that is finally confirmed, and we can put this behind us. Uh, all oh, in I all, I like. Oh, go ahead, PC. No, sorry. All in all, I, I really loved I really loved basically the entire last half of this episode. Uh, yeah, no, I really, and and I, and I and I especially loved when Percy and Braddock decided to leave. And 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 I talked about this in the chat before, but Grime is like enabling Sasha in these violent irrational outbursts that she's having he 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 encourages her like in the battle to take things farther and farther and when percy and braddock decide to leave and they say sasha it's because you know you broke our trust grime basically says people have their limits all dreams require sacrifices and not everyone is willing to make those sacrifices, which is is kind of shifting the blame onto Percy and Braddock for not being strong enough rather than to Sasha for betraying them. And even compared to uh, season one, Grime would not have said the same thing to like about Percy and Braddock. He would have just like called them cowards, but like He's grown, but he's still he still has the same mindset, I guess. I think I think he is softened for sure. He is definitely softened and he it's a lateral move for him, I feel. Because I mean I really... at the end of at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, he didn't call Percy and Braddock cowards, but Percy and Braddock were the only toads that stuck by him when the tower fell. And yeah, they still stuck by even as like lowest point basically, and now they're like 
they're probably gonna like ride high on this like toad rebellion yeah and, 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 and now the they're moment, out the moment that they were like i don't feel safe doing this with you guys grime basically just just tossed them aside uh i really hope we see bragging percy though i do too although it might be season three yeah, like I don't see like how they could how the trajectory how they could show up. I really like that uh the custom armor joke. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. And it was it was just it was all cosmetics, which feels which is funny because of how realistic it is. Like, apparently, what did that scientist toad say about the budget or something? I don't know. Uh, the scientist toad said that last year we were focusing on armor durability. Now we're focusing on armor customization. To which, uh, I believe, to which Captain Bufo replied, that's a nice duck. When uh, it was revealed that the armor had a picture of a duck on it. What was the name of that general? I, I really. <laughs> he has such a cool design, even mm. though it's just mostly like the, the other Toad Lord with the the shoulder, the samurai shoulder pads. No, that that's Bufo. Bufo, yeah. Yes, we got Bufo, the kind of samurai looking one, Beatrix, Lady Grime, and then Aldo, the, the guy. Dead guy. Who I, I think he might be dead. Yeah, he's probably died. So I guess I think we've covered most of uh, Barrel's Warhammer. I think. Does anyone have any more thoughts on these two on this on this episode before we get into before we go back to the second temple? Um, I guess the only good thing about Percy and Braddock leaving is that they're not like dying anytime soon. I guess if anyone oh. was worried, I guess, but like if anyone was gonna die during the invasion side characters, I guess. Our favorite Toad couple will remain safe. Yes. We need, like, the credit, the credits at the end to say Percy and Braddock will return <laughs> Amphibia Season 3. Oh. Yeah, I hope they're back. They're great. But I guess now's a good time to talk about the end of uh, the second temple, where the gem is slowly recharging, we hear we hear the planners yelling, and then Anne grabs the gem and gets uh, Valeriana to teleport her back, and we get a shot of the gems on the box. Everything fades to black, and the blue gem is flickering. So, how do we how do we start this? This is, I'm surprised. This this gag of Marcy showing showing cute animal pics has basically altered the course of the series. Yeah, yeah. Marcy really just kind of changed the course of history by showing cute animal videos to the planters. 
And like Venom, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? Like how do you think this is going to how do you think this is going to come back into play? We know full well that the um that the gem isn't fully recharged knowing that and partially still have her calamity gem powers assuming their powers <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> so knowing that she partially still has her gem powers knowing that um who knows andreas has her plans for the um for the calamity box once all the um the three gems are gonna recharge knowing that andreas has plans for the box to use it but then we could say that that knowing that only one only the blue gem only has halfway through knowing that andreas's plan won't like well like like temporary at least like like delayed in his plans Yeah, like, we don't even know what Andrews is up to, but we know that he for sure did not calculate for this. He didn't calculate for Marcy's cat videos. <laughs> but, no. Uh... no, he definitely did not. Uh, Chuck, what are your thoughts on, uh, how do you think that this uh, incomplete gem recharge is going to impact the season? Uh, I think it's kind of like bit a bittersweet thing because like uh andres's plans are going to be delayed somehow but at the same time i don't think they're going home i i guess because since it's not completely charged so i don't know i feel like it might come to play when like maybe around true colors when andres has the box and then i don't know something happens and then he starts getting panicked or something. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's like uh, it, when uh, yeah. I guess those are my thoughts. And yeah, I think throughout the season, we we what we've seen of Andrews is that he's always been he's been in control of the situation ever since Marcy probably teleported to Utopia. So it'd be interesting to see how he'd react when this like, yeah. For this like miscalculation or not miscalculation, this unknown variable. Yeah, other than Sasha. And even with Sasha, like I'm guessing like he's somewhat aware of the Toad rebellion, but I'm guess I'm well of course he doesn't know Sasha's with them, so yeah. Yeah. I guess that's two variables. Sasha yeah. and this. And how about you, PC? How do you think this gem is gonna come into play? Well, I mean, it's it's twofold for me. One, I think the fact that Anne still has some calamity juice left over is gonna come up. Like, there's gonna be a, like, I I think she's gonna have some of her powers still, and that's pro. Considering how combat centric the uh, the finale appears to be, I think that's gonna come into play to some extent. Uh, and yeah, I agree that absolutely this is going the the partially charged gem is going to lead to a delay of some kind in Andreas's plans. And honestly, 
I think this confirms to me that Andreas does not plan on sending the girls home. Because the fact that the gem is being charged, uh, the fact that the gem is partially charged, kind of sets up that someone tries to do something with it and it fails. And that only really makes sense if Andreas is planning on taking the box and doing something not good with it. And then the real, like, the real question is whether this, whatever Andreas is doing, if it's not good, will this flickering gem, will this incomplete gem make things worse or benefit our heroes? Well, and that, that is the question, and it depends entirely on what the hell Andreas is up to. Yeah, I guess the closest idea of what, he, what we know he wants is revenge. Whatever that is, or how he's going to do that. So I guess... Should we, should we get into final thoughts, or is there anything else you guys want to cover? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I do... And I've, I've, I've said this in the chat before, but I just want to put it out there. I really like how the gem got partially charged because Anne was worried about, like, her, her loved ones. And that Andreas's plans are going to, like, be fouled because Anne has such a good heart and worries about and cares about her friends so much. Yeah, but, that's... Uh... That, that's great. Yeah, just fantastic incorporation. So I'm just speeding through the episode. Are you watching the episode right now, Thumb? No, no, no. I'm I'm just like I have it fast forward in another tab and I'm just like I'm just like quickly like scrolling through scenes like we got the reverse. Uh, I, I can't listen to it right now because it's gonna mess up the audio. But I know like the themes, not theme song. The music box theme got reversed when we got that quick flashback of Anne oh, stealing yeah. the box in the first place. Yeah, that was that was interesting. How they were playing the music box theme in reverse for that flashback. I I think it was probably just to sound creepy, and like there's not like any kind of deep symbolism in that. But who knows? No, there's no, there's no backwards message. Aww. <laughs> One thing I dislike, which is not the not the episode's fault, is that essentially the money shots of these of these episodes were in the two B trailer. So like Valeriana like activating, like preparing the recharge cycle, or not preparing the recharge cycle, just like in her Valeriana the white outfit, and then also the money shot of, like, Grime and Sasha holding up the hammer while it's powering up. I, yeah. I didn't like how the trailer included those. I mean, yeah, the track the trailer had those was kind of lame. At least it wasn't the money shots. It was the lead-up to them. I, I feel like the money shot of the second temple is absolutely the gem, like, glowing and, like, the giant 
energy stuff and such and Anne's eyes draining. And I mean the the money shot for Barrel's Warhammer is absolutely them actually hitting the worm with the hammer. But the fact that it, those trailers still had the lead up to those shots is like a little disappointing. Why? Yeah, exactly. Like, and I don't think we still would have been hyped if we didn't even see those scenes. We just saw something like a little bit more vague. I mean, we would have had less to speculate about, but I, I, yeah, we didn't really need to see those to get hype. A little sad that they got kind of given away that early. Hopefully, that doesn't happen for the True Colors trailer. I think so. I know for True Colors, Battle of the Bands. I've seen Microangelo. We haven't seen, I don't think we've seen anything. We didn't see any of that in the trailer, all other than the Newtopia scene and the flashback scene. So yeah, we, we we see we see a few moments on top in, in Newtopia. And then we see I mean actually we kind of probably see most of the flashback scene that we're gonna get in true colors. I know Lemur Lemur and I we had like a chat about the the possible flashback scene in True Colors where in Reunion the flashback scene was roughly four minutes and then now in re- in uh, True Colors we're getting an additional two minutes so we're getting a runtime of 24 minutes and maybe four minutes of that could be for the flashback scene but that's, but that's just speculation. I, I would be surprised if the flashback was that long to be honest. I mean because this flashback appears to be how the girls first all got together, which will then be contrasted, of course, by True Colors, where all the girls split apart. And yes, I'm, I still believe that all girl, all three girls will be like split apart in True Colors. I, I'm thinking that too, but it's more so because like the show already has to man has to manage like writing a big cast with Anne and the Planters alone. And then we've gotten so much of Marcy with the group already. Like it feels like there's yeah. going to be a shakeup where it goes back to Anne and the Planters, or maybe something different. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I I don't I think we are getting a sizable flashback. I don't think it's going to be a, as bit long as the reunion flashback though. Unless unless a time skip. Between the girls, between the ba- the girls as like toddlers, and then like, yeah, pre-amphibia. Yeah, okay, yeah. I I could see if if we see the girls like growing up as best friends, then I could see it being as long, like a montage. I could see that. Oh, interesting. But yeah, I, I I I feel. I I feel that the flashback is unless we get that is probably going to be shorter. Hmm. So I guess we'll get into final thoughts on these episodes. So I guess starting with Chuck, what were your thoughts on like both of these both of these segments? Uh hmm. I like uh, I like both. I obviously like both of them. Uh, they were pretty cool. Uh, I guess I was a, di- a bit disappointed about Beryl not 
being confirmed like a gem user, if he is one. Uh, I was really like hoping for that in this episode, but we didn't get that. Uh, oh, I like the contrast between Anne and Sasha. Um, and these up in this episode. Um, uh, I feel like this uh, like entire episode is just like one big setup for the third temple. Where we know Anne and Sasha are going to meet, which is going to be volcanic, as stated by Matt, um, which uh, I'm pretty excited to see. Uh, and I guess those are my thoughts. And thanks, Chuck. And yeah, like you made a really good point about how like this is setting up both Anne and Sasha for their next encounter, and like the second temple is showing us like how far. And has like grown as an individual, but then in the Bale's Warhammer, yeah, Sasha's not. Yeah, it's like gone backwards, kinda. In a way, I wouldn't say backwards. Just her, like, like I don't know. I yeah, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> a negative character development. Maybe it's like she's she's moving she's moving forward in amphibia, but she's moving backwards in her. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, like, trying to put into words. I mean, I I think I think this is not a controversial statement that Sasha is, I guess, getting better in some ways and worse than others. Yeah, probably the easiest way. Put it. I guess that's why people love her so much. She's like, yeah. How about you, Venom? What are your what are, what are your general thoughts on both of these episodes? Mm, my final thoughts on the episodes. These, despite the um the um the 11 minute runtime for both of these segments these episodes well segments were paced paced pretty well considering their like played vital story parts that will be played within within the next 3 weeks batch of episodes All right, thank you, Venom. And like, PC, what are your thoughts on well, as, on these episodes? Uh, I think I think these are perfect setups for the lead into the finale. And yeah, this is absolutely both of these episodes are going to have huge implications on True Colors. Uh, first off, obviously, partially charged gem. Uh, we've already talked about. Anne's development and then mirrored by Sasha's kind of not reverse development, but like developing in a downward spiral. Uh, I forgot, I forgot who said this on, on the main discord. Uh, and I apologize. It might've been that Morty Smith person, but they, they, they said that, and they pointed out, and I think this was like a great thing to point out, that Anne 
compromised her mission by, you know, taking the gym early to help her friends. And Sasha compromised her friendship to complete her mission. And I think the the contrast between those two things is, I mean, it's stark, to say the least. Uh, I will say, um, I do like how we finally have a solid Toad army for, uh, for the Rebellion. That's going to be fun. Uh, I will also note that... Uh, the Toads now have a narwhal worm, which I'm pretty sure they're going to be using to break through the Natopian gate. I mean... Yeah. And, yeah, the, he seemed, the, the narwhal worm seemed to be just, like, chilling at the end. Or just yeah. resting. He's, he's just, just kind of taking a nap right outside the tower. They make it very clear that he's still alive and around. And he can travel in both water and land, which... Utopia is surrounded by a body of water. Yeah. Ah, all right. Uh, someone in the chat has just informed me. It was Wazy 2. I don't... Wazy 2? Wazy 2? Well, Wazy 2. That was a great observation, and you deserve full credit for that. And Sorry. like we have, we have a new army. We have a new army. We have versus the Toad army, and we still don't know what's going on with that Frog Rebellion. Um, I think the Frog Rebellion is going to be conglomerated with the Toads. Personally, I kind of. That's what I... that's what I was thinking too, because like, well, like they're already against Utopia and. Probably the toads are their best like choice, their best option. I don't know. I was hoping we'd get some a little bit more about the rebellion ever since like reunion, but I guess we'll have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, we've heard we've heard about the frog rebellion starting out as riots and then escalating to a countrywide thing multiple times and we have actually yet to see any frog rebels and god damn it i want to see some frog warriors you know we haven't really seen any we've only seen polly <laughs> yeah but polly's a special case i want i want to see i want to see like straight up frogs doing their best to go to war like we know that they can there's the planter ancestor uh pollyanna i believe the yep. the turned up warrior. Uh, oh, also, as long as we're talking about the various armies, I mean, we know that there's going to be a Frobo army in season three, right? Well, we know Frobo for sure is going to eventually be a one one man army for whatever conflict he gets pulled into. Yeah, yeah, but. In fact, they're robot factories. You don't have robot factories if you're not going to make a bunch of robots, you know? Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that too, especially since Newtopia has like some sort of technology in whatever basement, in Andres' basement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this all winds up. At this point in time, 
I'm not sure if the rebellion is going to succeed or not. I could see it going both ways. I could see I could see Andrews succeeding in whatever he has planned, but losing Utopia. Yeah, I think that is a distinct possibility. I I think regard even if the rebellion succeeds, Andreas is not going down. I think that is he is too big and too important to lose in season two. Um, but as for at the end of the day, who's going to be sitting on the throne in Newtopia? I'm not sure. I I could see it going. I could see. The rebellion working, I could see Grime fighting his way to the throne room, only to be captured or put down by Andreas. And like after after Sasha's like gem powers like wore off, like she wasn't really able to like wield the hammer, but Grime was, and like I wouldn't be surprised if Grime brought that weapon start to ma- use that weapon as his like his main. Oh, against yeah. a certain no. Newt King. Yeah, no, we're get we're getting the hammer grime. We're getting the hammer grime kicking ass. The only real question is, did it get enough juice from Sasha to have the rocket stuff going on, or is it only is is it just going to be a normal hammer from now on? I think I think a rocket hammer would definitely uh, put up a fight with Andreas. I'm not sure yeah, about I, a non-powered one. I feel I feel like if Grime is gonna ha- go up against Andreas, he's gonna need a power up. Yep, and for myself, like I really enjoyed this this batch of episodes. Like in terms of eleven minute segments, like this is up is up there for myself for season two. And like we're, this is like the the events of both of these episodes are definitely going to play like play a role later on. So like I can see these episodes like re, the rewatchability oh, of yeah. these segments are going to be high. No, these this ep- these two episodes are just fantastic. Like I think some of the best of the season easily. Yep, and I think I think that concludes this week's episode, which surprisingly we are within time. <laughs> wow, we didn't go over. But I just want to thank you guys a lot so much for coming on tonight. And thank you for whoever's listening. I know Eastern Eastern time, it's it's late. Maybe just now like this the southeastern gang. Southeastern Asia gang is waking up. But thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. Say goodbye, everyone. All right. I I mean, I will see you later, but not for the next two weeks. So someone else will have to do the ranting and raving for me. That's what Usebix is for. <laughs> and then I'll have you both on for True Colors. That should be interesting. Nice, but, uh, nice, I, nice. No, no, you, you go oh, ahead. Yeah, Chuck, you still got to do the shout out. Uh, shout out to Nick. He's cool. All right, good, good, good shout out, buddy. You did it.